Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, happy Friday. Today's episode is so much like a real happy hour for me. My friend and past happy hour guest, Sophie Hudson, talks with me today, and you're going to tell, we laugh a lot when we're together. Sophie released a book this summer that I devoured called Stand All the Way Up, Stories of Staying in It When You Want to Burn It All Down. Sophie is not only hilarious, which you will see today, and we laugh a lot today in our conversation, remembering our trip to Kenya together, but she's also a faithful follower of Jesus, and she wants to see the best in people, and I love that about her. She has some great advice on how to stand up when everything seems like a dumpster fire. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. Friends, I have been getting so many messages and emails telling me how excited you are for my big news. It's true. I have a new book coming out. It's called You Be You, Why Satisfaction and Success Are Closer Than You Think. I am so excited about this book, and I poured so much of my heart and soul into this last year when I was working on it. It releases October 1st, 2020. And it's a message that I want every woman and every man to know about God's design for you and how important it is that you be you, that you be the person he created you to be with your gifts and your talents and your influence right where you are. Guys, I'm gonna send you all the details about the book when you text UBU, which is the name of the book, to 33777. That's UBU, no spaces, to 33777. Okay, here is my conversation with my friend, Sophie Hudson. Hey, Sophie, welcome to the happy hour. Hey, Jamie Ivy, thank you. This is fun. I was looking back before we started, and this will be your fourth time on this show. Really? I thought it was three. There was one in there. I forgot, I guess. You did the happy half hour. We did this small little time and space where we did these half hours, which that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother day about why we did it, why we didn't, whatever, doesn't matter. And you were on that. So you've been on, this will be your third regular show, and then you were happy half hour. Well, I'm so happy to be here. I always love being here. Well, the first time you were here was 2015. Which in internet years is like 1802, right? Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Like, here's the deal. I was, let me just say, before we, I went on a walk this morning, which I do a lot. And I sat in my garden, which I do a lot. Early in quarantine, I would sit there and be like, these tomatoes are so beautiful. Now I sit there and I'm like, everything's dead. What are we doing? (laughs) But I was looking at my dead garden thinking, I was so in love with this garden around March 11th, mm-hmm. and I was going to just change the world with my tomatoes. That's right. And that feels like 18 years ago that I planted those now dead tomatoes. Right. Yes. It's funny how hope dies, Jamie. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to hold on to it. And you were full of optimism and just all manner of hope. 
back in March. You know, I, I had a moment with my tomatoes and it, it felt like this. It felt like this is life. You go into something and you're like, I'm going to build the best garden or the best marriage or the best book or the best podcast, whatever. Yeah. And then a, pand- a global pandemic hits and then it's hot as like 187 degrees here in Texas. We got a cold front coming in today. I'm like, I think it's going to be like 83. Oh. Uh, I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. And then like everything just, you get complacent and that's how, this is our life right here. My garden is representing 2020. Yeah, that's it. Because I went back and looked not too long ago at a post, something I posted on Instagram right at the beginning of everything where I, it was a, something somebody from my hometown had posted, which was sort of like a this bold declaration of what life could be, you know, when we all are at home and all this yeah. kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And I went back and read it just with a side eye, like <laughs> last week, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know if this is how it's gone. I will say, I do think there's been a lot of good stuff. I was talking to a friend yesterday. There has been a lot of good, but because the bad has been so persistent, you know, mm-hmm. like, and we have just moved from one heartache to the next. Yeah. I think it's normal maybe to be a little weary. I have a, another friend of mine whose sister said a couple of weeks ago, and I thought this was so good. She said, when when we're in our in regular life, like not pandemic life, not world turned upside down life, if a family goes through something that's hard or that's traumatic, they have a community to rally around them and help them through it. Everybody has been through something hard and traumatic right now. And so you don't have the support system you would normally have, which is why I think everybody is operating at about a negative 72 on the patient scale because everybody has, you know, endured stuff that's just really unusual and can be difficult. It is. And I feel like every time I talk about this, I'm so glad you said like there's been so many, there is some hope and there's good things because it can feel like, this is so difficult and this is so hard. And, you know, Aaron has said a thousand times, you know, the best part about pandemic, global COVID, all the things has been so much family time. And the worst part has been so much family time. I mean, right. it's just same and same, you know, right. like right. I love these people with everything in me. And I'm also like, I need you guys to go back to school. Like this is, we've been on the longest summer break we've ever had in our entire lives, <laughs> you know? And how have you done with not being able to travel? Because I think that's been a whole thing with, people who travel a good bit is that that's gotten shut down and you underestimate, or at least I underestimate what a reset that can be sometimes. Oh my gosh. Like I'll never complain about an airport ever again. (laughs) I drove by the airport the other day and I just kind of waved at it. Like I miss you. I'll see you soon. Sweet friend. (laughs) I did not know how much I loved that. And like you said, it's this weird reset, which seems crazy because I don't know if you're, if you're like this, when I travel, I mean, it's not like we're going to hang out at a pool. It's nonstop. I try to get there as close to the event as I can, leave as soon as I can to get home. Do I need to get a podcast recording in? I mean, whatever we need to do, we're hustling. But it is, it's this like kind of reset. And so when that all came to a halt, I kind of, Sophie, the first couple of weeks, I was like, who am I? What do right. I do? This is yeah. weird. And I haven't been doing this for that long, but it's so crazy how it's gotten. And also for our marriage, our entire marriage of 19 years, one of us has traveled. Early in our marriage, it was him all the time. Now it's me more than him. And so I think that was weird for Aaron and I too, to be like, when are you going out of town for a few days? <laughs> Both of us to each other, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to go. When is the part where you leave <laughs> yes. for a minute? Yeah. My big adjustment, I mean, I definitely had a travel adjustment. I don't know that I travel as much as y'all do, but David and I almost always have a trip 
of some kind planned. Like every six months, we'd do some kind of little trip. So that was a weird thing. And then, you know, I work at a school here in Birmingham, and I'm, I have mostly worked with the girls at the school for the last six years. And what I took for granted is how those interactions with the girls, like what an emotional, some emotional need that met in me. And so suddenly I'm home all the time with two guys. And after about two weeks, nobody really had asked about how, you know, I was feeling. (laughs) Nobody really wanted to process feelings. And I really, like, I had a long talk with David, which was like, hey, I know this is hard for y'all, but I need someone to care. I need need someone. I know I don't, you know, like, you don't have to think my leggings are cute, but just tell me they are. Because that's what I live in every day is the girls at school going, you're like, oh, my gosh, Uh those jeans are so cute. And listen, that all came to a screeching halt. Mm -hmm. So it's funny what you get in the day to day that you don't even know. And then suddenly it's gone. So true. It is Uh so true. Um, Okay, Sophie. Well, this is your fourth time on the show, and I'm so excited to have you back. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you back, you actually released a book in the middle of 2020, which as a fellow author, I know that that is difficult. Like everything's difficult. And so it's, it's also hard. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure it was difficult for you to say like, hey, here's my new book. Read it. Oh, yeah. Actually, people are dying around the world from a disease. Like. That had to have been difficult to talk about. Yeah, it feels, listen, the last thing I ever want to be is tone deaf. And so there's this tension between, hey, I wrote a book. I have a publisher who would appreciate if I would talk about this book. And then, golly, there's a lot of other stuff going on. The thing probably that helped me navigate that a little bit is this book was weird because I wrote the last chapter in February of 2019. And I wrote the last chapter about kind of where I was and what the, where sort of the Lord had been digging in with me about systemic racism. And so in the middle of June, you know, when we were seeing so many protests and all that kind of stuff, it felt like a way to connect with people about something bigger, you know, Mm -hmm. like the book was a way to connect with something bigger. And then I actually ended up asking for this book. I think I saw you back in September when we were at an event in Chicago yeah. and I was not in a great place because I had the last, like a, just a really hard two weeks. I'd asked for the book so I could add an epilogue that I think I finished the night before I saw you. Wow. And so that was about a lot of the grief I think that I experienced mm-hmm. and a lot of the heartache of just the last four or five years. So all that to say at a time when we were in so much national you know, grief, I think the the fact that the book had a piece of that, that, you know, I had written a while back and couldn't have anticipated what was going on in the country. It just, it felt like maybe it was a place to connect. So that made it a little bit easier, but still. And isn't it crazy that you wrote that chapter and then here, I mean, it's evident of this was a good season for this book to release as well. Yeah. You know, that chapter, I went to this, um, national, I think, yeah, it's a national park in Georgia, right at the end of, right at the beginning of 2019 to finish the book and um, and just had a really interesting, different, special kind of time with the Lord writing that, that neck, what turned out to be the next to the last chapter. So it's funny how all that works out. And so I, I guess all that to say in light of being in the middle of a pandemic and some much needed upheaval in this country regarding race and injustice and all that kind of stuff. 
I just sort of said, okay, Lord, well, maybe this little book, you know, there may be a few people that can connect with it as a result of what's going on. So, well, I read the entire thing cover to cover. I told you that I texted you and told you that I loved it. It was my bathtub read. Are you a bathtub girl? This is, too, this no. is TMI, but what, okay. <laughs> what, it's I'm not, weird. but I appreciate that you are, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. You've got a, you've got a gorgeous new bedroom and bathroom. <clears throat> so enjoy I got it. myself a new bathtub and I'm a bathtub girl, but let me just make it clear. I don't take baths to get clean because you can't get clean in a bathtub. And I don't know why we bathe our children because that, if you think about it, you bathe them, they're so filthy, and then they sit in it. I'm like, they sit in their filth. We need those spray things. So anyhow, I just bathe to relax. And I, this, you were my bathtub read. Stand all the way up, stories of staying in it when you want to burn it all down. Now, what I know about this, because I think you told me, and you talk about this in here as well, is that this book kind of came to life when I was on a trip with you. Yes, it did. We were in tell Kenya. Tell me. <laughs> so we were in Kenya. And it, it, you, as you remember, Jamie, we were at dinner we were with Compassion, and Compassion has a thing where if anybody travels with Compassion compassion to Kenya or Uganda, they highly suggest that you go on safari for at least one night because it would be a shame to miss that part of God's creation when you're already in that part of the world. Okay, stop right here. Have you been on another safari besides that one? I went on safari when I went to Uganda with Compassion back in, was that 2009, okay. I think? No, I don't remember the year. I think it was 2009. Which but it was, it was not the same thing as what you and I did. The Kenya whole experience, the Kenya safari. I mean, Uganda was gorgeous, don't get me wrong. But Kenya was like, I believe this is what it will look like when we have a new heaven and a this new earth. This is exactly earth. what I thought. Yes. Yeah, I, I just went to Rwanda in January and we went on one. And listen, it was great. It was beautiful. We saw a lot of the same animal over and over again. And I kept thinking, this has nothing on what, what I saw in Kenya. It was so beautiful. It was unbelievable. I mean, that was really, that felt like a once in a lifetime experience. So when we got to the place where we were staying in Kenya, we went on safari right away. And then we went on an evening drive and we got back to the place where we were staying and we were at dinner and they came and told me essentially that monkeys had gotten into my tent. <laughs> That's really the Which, gist of it. Just when, when we were at the table, we were tired about a safari and it was kind of like this. Wait, what? Like, yeah, I couldn't make sense of say it. it. I'm again? sorry. <laughs> the monkeys in the tent. <laughs> and do you remember it was a generational rain? Like when we were sitting there, it was it was. The rain oh. of decade. And so it took me a while to make sense of it. And then I got super worried about our passports because they came to ask if I had any medication that maybe the monkeys could have taken. I was I don't know about medication, but I know about passports. So we go back and the very kind people there had, had straightened up whatever the monkeys had done. The next morning, one of the men who was walking on the little path by where we were, our tent was, told me that clothes were strewn everywhere <laughs> when they went in the in the room. Which but, is a fun moment to think about those sweet people cleaning up all of you and Alex's clothes. Oh, listen, God bless them for that. But while we were on our safari ride that next morning, so I think. I can't remember where we were all sitting, but you and Alex and Deacon and I were all on one of those safari vehicles. I thought that feels just right, given the course of the last few years, because my mama had died the year before. I don't know if you know this, Jamie, but it's been a little crazy in our country for a little bit. Yeah. And you and I had broken some of that down in detail on our trip. 
Mm-hmm. And so, um, and just a lot of personal stuff, a lot of health stuff with me. And so I thought, well, that feels just right. And, um, and that's kind of where I started thinking about it. Plus, we'd had a really beautiful day a couple of days before at a church on the side of a cliff that overlooked the Rift Valley. You remember when they danced mm-hmm. us in? Yep. And, and the Lady Mary, who was working with Compassion in that church, stood up and she said, in Kenya, we hope you know that you are welcome at the gate. And for some reason, that just buried itself in my heart. So the combination of those two things got a book going in my head. And I really was that morning on safari. I was mapping that sucker out in my head. Like I was really thinking about where it was going to go and what it could be about. And so that's where it started. I love that. And so this was just to give everyone a little point of reference. This was the summer of 2017 yes. um, when we were in Kenya. Funny thing also is when if it was me, you and Alex and Deacon in that cart, it didn't last long because like halfway through the safari, Deacon was like, peace out, mom. I cannot sit next to you. You're stressing me out. And so he left me. <laughs> Jamie Ivy has never been more of a six than she was on safari. I think about it all the time and laugh. Like... <laughs> I mean, every animal, a potential threat. Oh, and uh, and Jamie would assess the threat. She would name the threat. She would, you would run through hypotheticals about how to handle the threat. I'm a nine. I don't like, (laughs) I'm just happy to be there. But you were not kidding about. And Deacon was literally like, you're ruining my experience. (laughs) And he left and went to another car. I was like, okay. (laughs) Rude. It was so good. It was so good. Oh my gosh. I mean, because when you mentioned it was like, it really did. I mean, when you described it as it felt like what it's going to be when God makes all this right, like new heaven, new earth, it, it like, you can't explain just, you would just look out and I mean, it's like the Lion King, but in person, like animals are just walking with each other and like doing their thing freely. And there we are in a car with no gate, window, nothing. (laughs) Which which really bothered you. and really bothered me. And our guides kept saying, they just see this as like... Like a big big moving thing. Yeah, big moving thing. They don't think about this as like a car with... They don't see the people. But that did not... That did not quell your... I literally imagined the lions chatting to each other, being like, who's going to get these humans? I see them coming. And I mean, and they they would tell us, like, if, if a lion walks past our car, just keep your hands in and be still. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to literally crap my pants if a lion comes even close to this car. And do you remember, it was the night that the monkeys got in our tent when we were headed back to the place where we were staying and the elephant blocked the road. Do you remember yes. that? Yes. And I, and I remember sitting there thinking, not, and I was not fearful necessarily, but I was like, if that elephant does not decide to move, we're just right here. We're not going we're dead. anywhere. We're dead. <laughs> And that elephant could have charged at us and just knocked us all over, did his little horn to all the animals. They would have come had us for dinner. I mean, it was just, this is the thing. This is what I've learned about myself on that trip. And I don't mean this jokingly at all because it okay. could sound jokingly. There are some situations that I've learned about myself that I just, I need to stay away from the situation or do things pre like ahead of the situation to help myself. The next time I went on a safari, when I went in Rwanda, I kind of had to like talk to myself about what it was going to be like because we flew in on this tiniest airplane, which I thought I was going to die the whole time on that airplane as well. Like that was and landed like in the middle of the safari. There, there was no gate check. There was no nothing. It was we landed. So I came into that situation very unknown and unknowns. They make me a little nervous. 
Right. So right. when I went on the Rwandan safari, I was like, I am so prepared for this. And I was less anxious. You know, it's almost like 4th of July. If we're going to shoot fireworks, I'm going to go inside because yeah. the anxiety, it's too much for me. I can't do it. It's good to know yourself. Like I, know yourself. my big anxiety about that trip was the tiny plane. Like, because I just, tiny planes make me uncomfortable. And I remember when we were at the airport, because we weren't at, a, at the main airport when we got on that plane, we were at some small private airport. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing the plane and thinking, oh, that's it. Like, <laughs> that's all, that's all there is to this. Oh, all right. Man. All right. But I mean, seriously, that trip goes down as one of my favorite trips. Oh, I've what, ever one of on. the all time greatest, most beautiful, memorable things I have ever gotten to do. And that includes, I mean, I had the worst bout of car sickness I think I've ever had that day that we went out to the, to the, we were going out to see Uh the Masai Mayura and like, I, oh. You write about it in the book and I just giggled. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, you know, cause I I knew I went nonverbal. I went nonverbal and I am rarely nonverbal. You know, speaking of flying, there was one part, there were so many things in the book that I like turned the pages down because I was in the bath, so I can't like write in it, you know, but there was one thing in here. I was like, I have to talk to Sophie about, I have to talk to you about the fact that you get to the airport two hours early. A day. Yeah. Sophie, I want to get to the airport in enough time Uh -uh. to walk through, grab a cup of coffee and get on the plane. I don't need to sit down. That's borderline irresponsible to me. (laughs) I'll, here's the thing. I like to get there and I like to get settled because that gives me time to wind down. And listen, if anything happens from that point on, it's not on me. Like, it's not because I was running late. It's not because I was unprepared. It's not because I was rushed. I really do. I, I hate to be rushed more than most things. So I'm habitually early. And so for me, there's some comfort in I can get there. I can I can get my cup of coffee. I can go sit down at the gate. Listen, I can check email for the next hour and a half if I need to, or I can read, but I don't want to be hurried because that tends to set the whole thing off. So that's really a thing in my marriage because David's like you. He could just roll on up and he's fine. But I really think at this point, after, you know, 23 years, I think I've worn him down. You've worn him Uh, down. mm Mm-hmm. There are many paths to finding your family story. Whichever way you choose, it's easy to get started with Ancestry. An Ancestry DNA test tells you where your ancestors are from, and Ancestry's billions of records and millions of family trees let you discover their personal stories. You could find a famous relative or perhaps a photo of your great-grandmother as a little girl. Researching your history is a fun activity for the whole family, and the stories you learn about your shared past can bring you closer together. Ancestry DNA can reveal ethnic origins and provide historical details that bring unique family stories to life. Ancestry DNA doesn't just tell you which countries you're from, but also can pinpoint the specific regions within them, providing insightful geographic detail about your history. Trace the paths of your recent ancestors and learn how and why your family moved from place to place around the world. My mom is tracing our ancestors right now, and it is such a great experience. No other DNA test delivers such a unique interactive experience as Ancestry. Start exploring your family story today. Head to Ancestry.com slash happy hour to get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash happy hour. 
I believe in having clean options. I support companies who innovate products that break the norm and help clean up my daily routine. That's why I love Native for my deodorant needs. In fact, I love it so much, I just gifted my mom with the Native deodorant. Native is made with ingredients that you've actually heard of, like coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. They never use things like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, or talc. It's also vegan and never tested on animals. Native just released plastic-free deodorant made from 100% paperboard and shipped in a plastic-free bag. Switching to an aluminum-free deodorant doesn't mean you have to sacrifice on odor protection. Native will keep you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. Native comes in over 10 scents like coconut and vanilla and lavender and rose, plus rotating seasonals like the pumpkin spice latte collection. My favorite scent right now out of all of them is the coconut and vanilla. I have loved it this summer. I'm thinking about trying lavender and rose next. Maybe even a pumpkin spice latte deodorant. Native is risk-free to try with free shipping within the U.S. and free 30-day returns and exchanges. Guys, do what I did and make the switch to Native today by going to nativedeo, that's D-E-O, dot com slash Jamie Ivey. Or use the promo code Jamie Ivy, J A M I E I V E Y at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash Jamie Ivy. Or use my name as a promo code Jamie Ivy at checkout for 20% off your first order. Okay, I'm going to ask you a couple questions about your book real quick. I know this came from a personal place of just, I mean, you wrote it. After 2017, no surprise that our country has felt a little tension since right. 2016. I'm sorry. There was Hazel. Hey, Hazel. <laughs> oh, she, she's going to need a minute. The front door just opened. And so she's checking it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's no, no matter where you land on the spectrum of politics and life, we entered into the new season. Uh, no matter where you land on the political spectrum, and this is not a political show, but no matter where you land, it's been a little crazy in our yeah. world. And I know that was a lot of what led you to write these stories and the part of the book and what God has even journeyed in your heart to this. What is your encouragement for someone who really is feeling like, I just want to burn it all down? Like you said, like, I don't know what we're going to do anymore. What is your like, okay, let me tell you, sister, here's our encouragement in this. Oh gosh, that, you know, because I think I even, I told you, I think when I was at the Happy Hour Live, like when I started this book, I wanted to call it Burn It All Down. That was I remember that. That's why I actually mentioned it on the show. We were talking about what we were reading. I was reading your book and I was like, I think it's called Burn It All Down. (laughs) And he was like, no, that's not it. (laughs) Yeah. But it was gonna, you know, and I think that that that's part of maybe what I have experienced the last few years. It's a realization. I really don't want to, I really don't want to burn it all down, but it has been a lot, especially I think if with a personality like mine that tends to err on the side of like, I just, I'm a peacemaker. I like for everybody to be good and conflict feels really disruptive to me, like more so than anything in my life. If I'm tangled up with somebody, like I'm not going to sleep. So, but conflict has been our norm, you know, on a lot of levels, just deep conflict and divisiveness and all that kind of stuff. And so my great hope in the middle of all that has just been time and time again in scripture, seeing how Jesus makes a way forward and how Jesus operates in the middle of conflict and dissension and crisis and fear. He operates in the middle of so much fear. And I think we have so much fear collectively as a nation on all sides of things. And so there was a passage that I read, and I write about this in the book, um, you know, where Jesus is on the boat with the disciples and the storm comes up. 
and he calms the winds and the waves. And they're like, who then is this? You know, like, and they know him, but just the fact that when he is with us in the boat, he will get us to the other side. Mm -hmm. And it was a reminder to me that I, in processing a lot of this stuff, I think I have become a little bit of a person who was screaming at the waves a lot, like just, ah, you know, <laughs> just if you, if everything's screaming at me, I'm going to scream back. But just the reminder that Jesus calms, you know, and Jesus in the middle of the chaos, he is steady and sure. And so that is my hope every day. He is steady and sure. And so I want to, I want to do what my friend Angela Cottrell said, and this is also in the book. I want to be a person who carries the presence of Jesus with me, no matter where I go. And when Jesus goes into places, he's not pointing fingers. He's not screaming. He's not even talking about how wrong everybody is. He's just an agent of love and peace and mercy and justice and healing. And so that's a place where I hope I can stand. And so that was a real encouragement to me as I was writing. You know, I feel like when you talk about like, I want to, what was Angela's quote again? This was back in the fall. We were just kind of having a conversation and really sort of incidentally, she said, you know, I just want to be a person who carries the presence of Jesus with me no matter where I go. And I was like, oh, that's good. (laughs) That's good. I feel me too. Like, yes, yes, and yes, and yes. And it feels like right now, and golly, we don't have that much time left, but this could be a whole nother show because what I'm about to say, it feels like right now that a lot of Christ followers have forgotten that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have forgotten that carrying the presence of Jesus with you everywhere you go, it impacts how you treat people. It impacts how you talk to people. It impacts what you talk about. And it feels like we've lost that a little bit in this online age of everybody has the right opinion and you are wrong. Right. And that's really hard. That's what I was telling my kids just the other day. I was like, hey, listen, here's one thing you need to know is that what you put on the internet, A, it reveals your character and B, it stays with you forever. Like that stuff doesn't go away. And I think that's just such a good reminder for all of us. Like I want to carry the presence of Jesus wherever I go. I had actually thumb, um, ear dogged, is that what you call it? That page when you were talking about this when Jesus calmed the storms. And you talk about how one of your favorite things about it was even, not only did Jesus calm the storm, but even just like the disciples, their their question of like, who is this? And that they had this realization that, and you say this in all caps, it's great. It says, hey, y'all, this guy, we thought the healing stuff was a big deal, but he can even calm this dark, violent sea. Yeah, And that stood out to me because that's what we want. That's what we need right now. And listen, when I think when, this is my perception at least, when they were scrambling, when the storm hit, that's fear. And I think so much of what you're talking about in terms of how people are interacting online, I know you feel it. I feel it sometimes kind of coming at you. I think there's fear. And David and I talk about this all the time. It's like, what is the root of that fear? Mm. Like, what is that that has everybody so on edge, you know? And so it's well, so what'd you easy. Fi- what you decide? We What's haven't decided. <laughs> I think a lot of people either fear that things won't be like they were, or they fear what things will be if they don't somehow try to control it and manage Which it. Which comes down to losing control. Right. I think yeah. there's a lot of stuff tied up in control. I think there's a lot of stuff tied up in power. That is probably its own separate mm-hmm. <laughs> show. <laughs> 
But I think that the fact of the matter is, regardless of the reason, you know, fear, when it gets the best of us, it does not encourage us to carry the presence of Jesus with us. Yeah. And so that's really where I have had to kind of dig down over the last few years and go, okay, sister, you've been so stirred up. What are you afraid of? Mm. Like, what fear is it in you that has made you want to write a book called Burn It All Down, right? So I don't know. It's an interesting time, I think. But I also think, even though it's interesting and it's a little divisive and all that kind of stuff, that there is a huge opportunity in all of this for the church to be the church. I love it, yeah. So, and that's, you know, something that I'm hopeful about. I am too. I really am. And I see glimpses of it. I really do. And so that's hopeful to me. I was talking to a friend not too long ago. Um, We were talking about some of this and just maybe where we don't see things exactly the same. And I do think we we all kind of have defaults in terms of where we feel deeply passionate, you know? And I think a place where I feel deeply passionate And it doesn't have to be where everybody else feels deeply passionate, but I feel deeply passionate for the prophetic voice of the church in the world. And that's where I feel very protective and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, but it's one thing to be passionate about it. It's another thing to be fearful about Mm. it, you know? And so lots of opportunities for good conversations. It is so hard. I was on a walk the other day. I just had this moment of, you know what? I'm just... (laughs) Let, I didn't say your words, but it was basically like, I'm burning it all down. I'm letting it go. Like, I'm canceling my Instagram account. I'm quitting my job. Like, everything's done. Yep. And I was like, well, I actually love all those things, so I'll, I'll keep them. But, you know, the beginning of the walk, it was like, everything's done. I'm done. I'm just mm-hmm. going to, like, I'm just going to, like, go back to how life used to be where I didn't know about these things. You know, what? like, I'm just going to, which is not good and not okay, you know. And here's what I try to remind myself, too, because I do think one of the things about social media, one of the things about the Internet, one of the things about kind of this constant news cycle we all live in is that there was for a long time, there was a lot of stuff that went on probably that we had no idea about because we had no way of knowing it. Right. And there were a lot of reactions we had no way of knowing, a lot of people's opinions we had no way of knowing. Everybody now is a a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week news channel. Mm -hmm. So... And in some ways, I would rather know than not, you know, like I would, if there's a a deep divide in the church in terms of some of this stuff, I would rather know than not. So, but that doesn't mean it's any easier necessarily to hear all the voices coming at you. I mean, it's like what we've seen this summer with the videos that have come out about George Floyd and we could list a lot more, Ahmaud Arbery, all these, we've seen like a handful come out and I'm like, I'm so, the thing is what people don't realize is that these didn't just start these, you know, killing of unarmed black men by people in power did not just start. This has been going on for hundreds of years, but now we have smartphones. And, you know, now people are able to show that. So it's such a good thing. Well, Sophie, I told you in a text, I'll tell you again, I loved your book. Uh, You're a phenomenal storyteller. And I love books that are full of great stories that kind of give us a a good story, plus make me think. And you did that really well. So congratulations on that release. Today's episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. When it comes to meat, quality matters, but there's more to it than texture and taste. Not everyone has convenient access to high quality meat. And luckily, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves high quality, humanely sourced meat. Every month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of high quality meat to your home. All meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones. Each box has nine to 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individual meals. 
It's packed fresh and shipped frozen and vacuum sealed so it stays that way. You can even customize your box. Options include 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar nitrate-free bacon. ButcherBox is the most affordable and convenient way to get healthy, humanely raised meat. Get the highest quality meat around for just $6 per meal. We have loved it when our butcher box has arrived. The kids and Aaron, they make a plan for what great meals we're going to have over the next couple of weeks. And I'm excited because I know that these meat options are 100% grass-fed finished beef. We also get free-range organic chicken. We get heritage-bred pork. And we love the wild-caught salmon. They're all high-quality, humanely sourced, and it's a difference that you can actually taste. Right now, ButcherBox is offering new members ground beef for life. Yes, you heard me say that right. That's two pounds of ground beef in every box for the life of your subscription. Just go to ButcherBox.com slash happy hour. That's ButcherBox.com slash happy hour. Noom is the habit change program that uses psychology to help you understand why you make the decisions you make and feel empowered to change for good. My guess is that like me, you too could use some help to make decisions that make you feel better and have more energy. That's what I'm enjoying most about Noom. Their app and program really help you to be successful at adding more balance to your life. I can see the better choices that give me more energy and help me improve my mood by choosing foods that are fulfilling and long lasting. Plus, it helps me to stay on track with my own goals that I have each day. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools to break the bad habits and replace them with better ones. Noom is designed by psychologists, but they meet you where you are. So the program is accessible to everyone. And Noom is forgiving because you're human. If you go off track, there's no shaming, just tips to help you get back on track tomorrow. Over 80% of Noomers finish the program and over 60% have stuck with their goals for at least one year. There's a science to getting healthier. It's called Noom. Sign up today for your free trial at Noom. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happy hour. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom dot com slash happy hour to start your trial today. That's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash happy hour. Okay, so uh, what are you are you reading these days? What are you reading? What are you loving? You said that Netflix show. Anything else? Oh, yeah. So I am all of the above. So my I have a, a serious read right now. And then I have, of course, more of a beach read mm-hmm. right now. So my like typical summer beach read kind of book is a book called The Air Affair, which is the sequel to a book called The Royal We that my friend Melanie and I both loved several years ago. It's written by Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan. It is just a fluffy, fun book about British royalty. Okay. So it's a good one. And then my, a little bit more serious thing I'm reading right now is The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson. I have I never that. read it before mm-hmm. and a friend of mine recommended it. And then I will tell you one of my most unexpected favorite books of quarantine okay. is Jessica Simpson's memoir called Open <gasps> I Book. I have heard of this. Listen, it's so good. She's a great writer. She's, okay. I mean, it's really engaging and interesting, and it's a great bathtub book, Jamie. That's what, those are the kind of books I like to read in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you will, listen, you'll be in it with her from page one and kind of intrigued. Like, I would like to know more, Jessica Simpson, about all it. the things. Okay, so it's, it's really good. 
This is good. I'm reading White Awake by Daniel Hill. Have you read oh, it? I have not read it, but I feel like I see Daniel Hill's name everywhere right now. Yeah. I feel yeah. like he pops up a lot in my social media feeds and in conversations I'm listening to and that kind of stuff. It's really good. I uh, really enjoyed it. And then I read a book this weekend called Dear Martin. You should pick it up. It's for young adults. Um, I cannot remember the author's name. I'll figure it out. We'll put it in the show notes. But it is about a young black boy in... I just I don't think I know the city, and he has this class project where he's writing letters back and forth to Martin Luther King. Uh, Martin Luther King never writes back, but he's just kind of writing letters to him. But uh-huh. he goes through his own journey. He's a black boy, and has some things happen to him that we see right now happening in the news. And it's really, really, really good. Quick, I read it in a couple hours. So, dear Martin, yeah, yeah, pick it up, Sophie. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. Always now, fun to talk to you. Always fun to talk to you. We we laughed a lot. We, you know, we, we got serious and this has been great. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for writing this book. It's a beautiful book right now. Um, stand all the way up. Stories of staying in it when you want to burn it all down. Sophie, great chatting with you. So good to talk to you. Y'all, I love Sophie's heart and I love her honesty. And I am going to go out on a limb and bet that a lot of us are feeling those same burn it all down thoughts in our lives and for our world. But don't miss what Sophie shares about finding all she needs to stay in it through God's word and the community of his kingdom. Guys, grab Sophie's new book, Stand All the Way Up, Stories of Staying in It When You Want to Burn It All Down, wherever books are sold. Also, don't forget, text UBU to 33777 so you can get a direct text with all the news and information about the new book. Maybe some freebies involved in that, but UBU to 33777. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Quinn Pearson, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a friend. Have a virtual happy hour with a friend. Or maybe you can get together with a mask and social distancing, whatever you need to do. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Hey, guys. You are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie, and I'm your host, and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays, and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode.